Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the third week of the spring 2017 anime season. I am your host Dustin and with me today is Ben, Yo. Aaron, and Larry. Haddy, haddy, haddy. Uh, as always, you can uh, you can find show notes. <laughs> you can find show notes at uh, well, actually, it's not as always anymore. It's it's technically at www.audioentropy.com now. So, Alice Tozoroku, episode three, where there are there is prominent Carl's Jr. advertising. Yes. Eat like you stole it. It's, I the timing of it is what really kills me about it because, like right before it happens, like they're dealing with the sort of, the aftermath of the, mass pig generation. And. They're talking about like okay, well these pigs are clearly alive like you. Like, Senna just created live pigs. And, like, she can't just get rid of them, because that would be, like, just murdering a bunch of pigs for no reason. But, but. And so they kind of, like, touch on that heavy topic of, like, oh, Senna j- can actually create sentient life. That's scary. And then, like, she puts the pig down, and then suddenly, like, this Carl's Jr. cup comes into frame with the Carl's Jr. like slogan like prominently in the foreground it's like here drink this Senna it's like uh, okay I also like how they call it juice it's like Carl's Jr. does not have juice uh, I think yes, it does. we have orange juice maybe I don't it has apple don't... juice and orange uh, juice it doesn't come in a cup like that it usually comes in a box but Hold on, let me let me completely fall for the advertising and check Carl's Jr.'s online menu. Make sure you check they, the Japanese version. They have orange. They have Carl's Jr. J. Hold on, yeah. Let me let me find Carl's Jr. JP. Uh, ha- sorry about the background it, noise. They have it on their. They have it on their breakfast menu. I know that for sure. Yo, dogs! Japanese Carl's Jr. has fried mushrooms. What? Like breaded, well, of course, breaded it's fried Japan. mushrooms. That's rad. Of course, it's Japan. Sorry about the background noise, Dusty. I know what the problem is, and I can't fix it while we're podcasting. Why do Japanese fast food places get cooler things than we do? That's what I want to know. Let's move to Japan. Because we're American, and we don't deserve anything. Uh, I mean, that's probably true, yeah. (laughs) We don't. Okay. Wait, is this menu just automatically... Okay, no, this is Google Translate. Never mind. Because, like, I saw a bunch of English text, and I'm like, there's no way this is... Anyway, this is this must be extremely fascinating podcasting right now. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't really see... Oh, desserts and beverages, right, what I was looking for in the first place. Uh, they they have pancakes. Yeah. Huh. Okay, they have smoothies. It's That's like a juice. No, it's not. Also, smoothies they sell beer. Are, look... Smoothies are okay. Yeah, they have draft beer for four dollars. Well, of course, this is Japan. I mean, like, look, smoothies are just a juice with some milk and ice, really, when you think about it. 
They're like a they're like a juice slushy. I do love that everything is in both English and Japanese. Uh, are you again? Are you sure that that's just not Google automatically translating for you? Yeah. Because like. Yeah, that's how it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I because I got, I went show original and it totally is doing that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's cool and all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, maybe she's just eating drinking a smoothie. <laughs> we'll go with that. I'm sure the investigators picked themselves up a nice a, a nice beer though from Carl's Jr. <laughs> Carl's Jr. when when you want to get drunk at a fast food restaurant seems like a great idea. Uh, yes. I wonder if like McDonald's in Japan has draft beer. I, don't I wonder know. if that's just a Japanese thing of like fast food places selling beer. Uh, anyway, this this episode was fairly it was was pretty good um i'm less enthusiastic about i feel like a lot of character backstory is getting de delivered to us through exposition rather than like any sort of natural sort of storytelling um and like i i like i really like the the whole backstory about the antagonist uh, uh and yeah, her and like where her arms come from that's really cool i just kind of wish i had learned about it through a means other than a lady telling me about it well there were some there were the there were some flashback scenes that i thought were pretty effective yeah, no, like I don't have a problem with the flashback scenes. Um, my my issue with is with just uh, the exp a lot of the exposition in this show. Oh my god! Uh, they they seem to be re relying pretty heavily on it. McDonald's Japan, uh, as far as I can tell, does not sell beers, but they do have chocolate banana smoothies, iced chocolate banana lattes, and chocolate banana lattes. Oh, so basically, your perfect. Fast I'm food moving place, to Japan. Aaron. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> P.S. Aaron really likes bananas. And smoothies. And yeah. shakes. And the and combination thereof. Uh, anyway. But yeah, like, that's... Oh, yeah. Like, I realize it's a little... <laughs> I realize it's a little nitpicky, but it does lead to Alice kind of having a... Having a slower pace than I'd like it to. Yeah, this show is kind of weird. Like, the tone of the show is weird it is a bit all over the place because yeah you do have like oh this adorable girl doing adorable things and then you also have like an antagonist whose backstory is her husband died in Iraq and she was so grief stricken that like her powers manifested as like his arms cradling her which is like pretty dark uh and then you have the whole stuff with like, oh yeah, like, we can just create sentient life and other weird things that can't possibly exist, and that's terrifying. And then well, meanwhile, you... a bunch of adorable piggies. Well, see, and and, and Sana's power is is infinite. She can create whatever comes to her mind, and that's what. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. I did. Su um, I did super like. 
the I did super like the trick that the antagonist does, which I really wish I could. Uh, it's Millie C. Right. How yeah, could I forget a name? Millie. Which uh, Min, her name is Minnie C. Tachibana. Sorry, sorry, yeah, Minnie C. Which something that actually super bugs me about the dialogue in this show is that they never call her Minnie. They always insist on saying Minnie C. And like, yeah, I don't yeah. know why that bugs me so much, but it super does. Well, she said yeah. this over that. Weird. Yeah, but that's uh, an American uh, an American woman, which is what she is, would never do that. Yeah, but she also has the last name of Tachibana. Well, okay, so she's Japanese American, but or her even husband, still, uh, no one on earth would talk like that. Yes, that's or she or she kept her maiden name and not her husband's. I'd never be like, hey, Fred, hey, new person, my name is Dustin Christensen, but you can call me Dustin E. <laughs> like, there's no. Well, possible... We call you that all the time, Dusty. <laughs> oh, I hate you <laughs> so much. By the way, McDonald's Japan has a uh, corn in their morning breakfast and they regular sure menu. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me. Like you'll find corn in a lot of weird places in Japan. I I am moving to Japan. Corn for breakfast intrigues me. <laughs> you can also enjoy their really bizarre pizza flavors. Um. Mandarin duck pizza. But yeah, no, I I really liked the trick Minnie C used to get Sena, where like she just swaps positions of like the air conditioning unit and the bathroom. Yeah. And the likes and like the CIA agents or whatever, like the internal. I I I can't remember what section they. The good guys. To. Uh, but like the the agents are like, oh crap. <laughs> Yeah, it's we like just got we've, played. We've been had. Yeah. Which is anyway. Like that part's real weird to me because it feels like no matter what they do at this point, they can't win against the antagonist. Because if they can just the pick moment, her up no. from anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out what's going on. So uh, I'm going to give this episode a four. Yeah, I'm. I like this I, show. Quite a bit so far. I'm giving, I agree with the four. I'm giving it a four. And then yeah. we also. And I'm giving the grandpa. I'm giving the grandpa figure a five for dealing with her. Oh yeah, Z- uh, Zoraku is great. He's fantastic. Yeah. We also uh, learned that the uh, lieutenant lady also has powers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It does seem like some people you think are normal also have those flower powers. Yes, and we Alice, meet the Alice's, uh, crystal Alice's power. Dream. Yeah, and we meet the hacker from the first episode again, so which means they have at least another power user in their uh, group. All right, let's move on to Sekai Surukado episode two. <clears throat> um, this is a really interesting show. Also, very weird. Yeah. Yeah, also, since uh, I wasn't here uh, last time for episode zero, um, that that episode was pretty good, and I actually wouldn't mind watching more shows of just that, but there was an enormous amount of whiplash at the end of that episode, where it transitions yeah, I, from just, like, normal animation to 3D. Yeah, 
I feel like the stuff at the beginning of episode zero is gonna have to factor in somehow, right? Like, it's not, like, it can't just be this random thing that happens before the actual plot starts, right? I don't think so. I, I think they're just well, gonna leave it as that. I think well, it's just think... to introduce the character and she see exactly how he operates. Well, it also, it also establishes the relationships that he has with the, uh, you know, government and business. Which will come into play, I'm sure, when uh, when uh, they start getting into serious negotiations with the aliens. Yeah, that that so far that actually brings me to like so far the only significant complaint I have about the show right now is that like they bill him as this like super genius negotiator, and like so far the only negotiations he's done with the alien are like super basic like negotiations i could do <laughs> yeah how well, about you let like, us go like okay the, like the first one i see is like i'll i will i will meet again with you in one second and he's like that's not enough time like five seconds yeah. higher <laughs> I like an that hour one. a little more three hours all right that's good <laughs> and then the next one is like we're gonna keep you here for a month. It's like, well, people will die. I'll give you food. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good enough. Well. Okay. Congratulations, master negotiator. No, I think the I think the key here, the key here is not like what he negotiate, you know, what he negotiates for, because that's basic common sense. Now, the key here is that he is that while he's in this situ, like this completely bizarre situation he remains unflappable that's true yeah i mean like because uh like as you can see like yeah the guy who is not a master negotiator his like his flunky uh hanamori or whatever hanamori yeah, just sidekick. like keeps freaking out like at, at everything that happens also i love the fact that i love their titles like, they're just so long. Like, Hinamari's is Ministry of Internal Affairs, International Intelligence, and Communication General Affairs. That's government for you. Yeah, I know, but it's just... Like, you, you know when the subtitles reach halfway up the video? I mean, like, I, I'm not sure... I don't think, Aaron, you've seen Godzilla Resurgence yet, but, like... No, because it only came out for, like, two weeks. I guess that's true, but like the the sort of like tedium of bureaucracy is very much a joke that is touched on multiple times in in Godzilla Resurgence, and it's very good. I just I just um, love the the title so much, and in yeah. the and, and in uh, episode zero they bring it up for everyone they introduce. Yeah, I do super like the scientist character, the girl. Or the guy. Yeah, I, the, the girl, I was afraid that she was going to be, like, one of those really annoyingly precocious, like, child geniuses. Um, but she's almost a mad scientist. Like, she's a half step away. Yeah. So, like, how should we test out the capability of this barrier? Shoot an anti-armor anti missile at it from a tank. Yeah, hit it with the tank. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure that's a good idea from, like, a diplomacy standpoint to use a tank against something? It'll be fine. 
I mean, I suppose she should be grateful that, like, the technology is so far beyond them that, like, basically nothing they could throw at, throw at it would be considered a credible threat. Yeah. Here's so. A, here's another one. National Police Agency Commissioner Secretariat National Public Safety Commission Assistant Executive Aide. <laughs> like, yeah, it had, like, it's, it has to be a joke. Like, that has to be a joke. Like, I just, I just love that so much. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, this episode. But yeah, I like, I do, yeah, apparently being unflappable to, Ka- to Kado means that, like, sorry, not Kado, Kado is the name of the hypercube. Um... Apparently, being being unflappable for this negotiator means like very casually strolling outside the plane and like touching a weird cube surface. That's all right. And and then watching as a pretty anime boy creates himself in front of you. Yeah, that scene was kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah. now we know where Vishonen come from. Well, I'm guessing that it well whatever created the body in resemblance of the humans oh yeah almost certainly what what probably happens is when he touched the cube like the kato collected human dna is like <laughs> all right i know how to make shit now i also like how like he that absorbs his uh his iphone yeah, because that's what Kato does for everything. Like whenever the whenever the alien wants to learn about something, it's like Kato absorb this for a bit. Oh, and then when he does it with the bread. Oh yeah, <laughs> just dumps a bunch of bread. It's like, uh, I guess that'll work. Does, does this mean Jesus was a hypercube? Yeah, apparently. <clears throat> yeah, that has been a theory that's been floated that Jesus was an alien. <laughs> well, yeah, but. Yeah, by that one dude on the History Channel <laughs> with the crazy hair. That doesn't that describes like fifty dudes on the History Channel. Okay, is it? Could it be possible? Uh, I I do, I do love those shows. Could it happen? It's like, well, I mean, anything is possible. But could could Nazis have secretly been working on a gate to hell? Possibly. You be the judge. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, this show is pretty fun. I'll give, I'll give it a, I'll give them a four. Like, they're, they're good, but, like, there's some, there's some awkwardness. Like, partially with the animation, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm real curious why they decided to do it, because I want, like, the only thing I can think of is budget reasons. I don't have a huge problem with the animation. I gonna give this episode a five all right uh little witch academia episode 15 lore all the lore you can handle oh wait wait, wait. back back to uh kato (laughs) when they're when they're going over the everything they've tried Oh, right, yeah. Disaster monitor robot. Heat from lighting truck. Water. Uh, Let's see. Bucket shovel. Circular saw. Yeah, I like the circular (laughs) saw. (laughs) Dry ice. 
construction vehicle. <laughs> I like the idea of dry ice. It's like, we'll just fog machine at it. <laughs> Let's see what this does. <laughs> maybe, set, maybe set up some strobe lights. <laughs> Like you're just playing around with this thing, aren't you? Yeah, just just really no. have to, look. Look, sometimes when you're in the government, you want to have a rave, but you also want to make an excuse to have the government pay for it. <laughs> I also like her I... carrying around an etch a sketch. It's like, why are you setting up a rave outside the alien cube? It's like, have you ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you not see Don't all the colors of the cube here? <laughs> yeah. They quite clearly respond to multicolors. Look, maybe maybe what we actually need to do to understand the hypercube is just get really high. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Little Witch. This episode is interesting because it like it it clearly shows that LaCroix is a threat <clears throat> and Cha- and Chariot knows about it, but like they can't really do anything about each other right now because it's not like she has any dirt on her that she can use so like they kind of just know that the the both of them are opposing each other and are kind of in this like cold war over like what to do with Akko and the shiny rod uh and i also and i also like setting up the whole thing where like croy and chariot are kind of like parallels to diana and akko yeah except except with some differences because it seems that uh diana is not on board with the croy program yeah diana is extremely skeptical extremely skeptical wow skeptical there's that word that's how i pronounce that um and you know it's it apparently for good reason um because her actual goal is to just like control the shiny rod so she can have all the power of magic to herself apparently right Um, i mean because according to the lore that they went over like yeah that once the uh you know that yeah what the seven the seven magic words are used to basically unseal, like, whatever. The Triskelion. Yeah, the Triskelion. And when that happens, basically magic comes flowing back into the world. But but the key is, like, under what conditions does that happen, and who controls those conditions? Yeah. And and that's the, uh, that's the context for the, uh, the uh, the war between uh, between uh, uh, chariot and Croy. Um, I also I also like that um, that in in an, in an, in, an, in any other circumstance when Ursula gives Akko the whole big like exposition speech about like the words and the ultimate role of the shiny art the sorry the the, the shiny rod like for for any other typical anime protagonist I'd be like how have you not figured out that Ursula is chariot now <laughs> but Akko is precisely dumb enough that you can believe she would not catch on <laughs> like 
Or, or I should say, not necessarily <laughs> dumb enough, but credulous enough. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if it was Diana being given that <laughs> exhibition, she'd be going like, "You're not just a normal professor. Like, come on." Right. But it does seem like Diana is finding out basically everything that Aqua is learning anyway, just by like going deep into the books. Yeah. Hello, I'm back. I am back. Am yes, I not? you are back, yes. and you're no longer destroying our ears. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, told you the. I thought everything was unplugged, and I reached over and I heard you scream in my ear, and I reached over and said, "Oh, I forgot to unplug." <laughs> yeah. <you." laughs> Sorry. Wait, Larry, please stop murdering us. Well, you can edit that out. So. Yeah. Oh, believe yeah, me, I will. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Diana. It's not on the Croy's program at all, and I think Diana probably knows more than we're being led to believe because uh, she's putting numbers together real well, quick. I, I think Diana knows pretty much, pretty much as much as the show is implying she does. Because like, where? Because like right before we get the huge lore dump from Chariot. Like, we see Diana reading the books at the same time, which to me is visual language for she is learning the same things in parallel to Akko just through different methods. So. It, I am. What surprised me was that Ursula didn't transform into Chariot. But I guess that's somewhere. Yeah, I am kind of surprised that she didn't I, reveal herself yet. And, like, Croy seemed kind of surprised by that as well. When she was like, you, you like you really haven't told her yet who you actually are, huh? Uh, I feel no. like that's definitely going to bite Chariot in the butt at some point in the future. Well, your audio just oh, went away. Oh, sorry. I leaned back. That's why. I should just never lean back. Uh, anyway, sorry. I, I was saying that uh, that'll probably end up biting Chariot in the butt uh, if she keeps her identity hidden for too long. Yeah, I mean, Akko's a lot of things, but Akko's not that dumb. But yeah, no, this was a this was a really interesting episode. Um, and it, it's it's a nice lead up to the yeah. next one. Five. Five. And you know, and and the thing is, getting with with Diana. I mean, Diana is like how you do a rival character right. Yeah, I really like Diana because she has. I like. <laughs> I realize how redundant it is to say that I really like Diana because I've made my opinion abundantly abundantly clear multiple times. But the reason why I like her so much is because she has a very relatable, like motivation and conflict and. Like her rival, and like her rivalry with Akko isn't just because like, oh, I'm a haughty rich girl. Like her rivalry with Akko is because she feels like Akko isn't taking her responsibilities serious enough, which like is is a legitimate complaint about Akko, something that Akko herself has noticed about has noticed, um, and it's more in like, uh, but it. And, like, the, the main issue with that and, like, the thing that Diane, Diana's character will have to get over is that because of how she perceives Akko treating magic, like, she kind of treats her like dirt, which isn't okay. 
Um, so yeah, it's 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 a character trait that is both believable and taken to a believable extreme, um, and leads to believable conflict between the two leads. Uh, and like both leads are very sympathetic, and which one you side with the most depends on probably which sort of personality traits you value the most. Uh, it's kind of like a personality test, really. Um, but yeah, I I really like how the characters work in this show. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else to say about this episode? Uh, uh I... <clears throat> I am totally liking the direction this show is taking. Yep, I agree. Uh, let's move on to Hero Academy episode sixteen then. Man, I, I still super like Hero Academy. Uh, it's just such a charming show, and this episode with the continuation of the race is also very good just for showing how people with different powers use different ways to overcome the challenges. I like the support team member showing up and being like, normally we don't get a chance to shine, but here in this race course, we can really show off like our, the stuff we've invented. <laughs> but like such like with, and let's be honest, that thing is just straight up like a, a 3D movement gear from Attack on Titan combined with, like, hover boots. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I also super love uh, Midoriya's way of getting through the minefield, partly because it's the exact same solution I came up with at the exact same moment he figured it out. <laughs> so... so. Well, you know, he's got this problem. If he shows his quirk, it, it ain't going to take long for everybody to figure out what his quirk is. So he's got to become well, creative. Not... And he's becoming creative in a very well, interesting no, way. Okay, the fundamental problem is not him not him showing his quirk. The problem is is that he can't control his he can't control his quirk. Yet, so that means that whenever he uses his quirk, he basically breaks he like, if, like, he uses his super strength to punch something, he breaks his arm. Because his yeah. body his body is not strong enough to handle the amount of power that his quirk gives him. Yeah, like, as was noted in, I believe, the first episode of this season, uh, the only time he successfully uh, controlled his power, like, pulled his punches properly, is when he was uh, punching a human being. Which that's, yeah. there's no there's so no like when he's attacking another person he's like unconsciously able to control it, but anything else like he has trouble not just busting his body. Uh, but yeah, no, I I just super loved the the way he got around the minefield and the twist at the end of the episode where the rules for the next. Uh, stage of the competition were was revealed was really clever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so yes. you won first place in that competition. Guess what? 
That means the second competition yeah. is not going to be very fun for you. Yeah, you, you basically, uh, congratulations, you won a million points, but... Uh, there is now, yeah, nobody there is now a giant you. target on your back, and no one wants to be on your team, because they all want to destroy your team. <laughs> oh, again, five. Yeah, five. Before I... I agree, um, okay. five, but before we move on, I also want to mention... Sort of in line with the stuff I've been saying about how I like that this show acknowledges, like, the outside world and, like, the other factors in it other than, like, superheroes punching things. Uh, In a similar fashion, I really liked the reveal of the business class. And they're all, like, after Midoriya wins, they are... They're, like, analyzing him from, like, a marketing perspective. And it's like, well, we can't really, like... Marked him based on based off his looks because he's not like sexy or cool looking. It doesn't have. We don't know what his power is really, so we can't market that. <laughs> it's like how it's like how do we turn him into a brand? <laughs> right. And, it's the kind of it's the kind of little thing that I really appreciate about this show. Yeah, because like no, nothing a little bit a little bit of exploitation. Right, because superheroics in this world is not something that happens in isolation. There's, like, like the whole society is built around the use of superpowers. Yeah, because basically everyone has a quirk. Yeah, well, 80%. And so there's this whole infrastructure set up to, you know, set up to, you know, to, like, to incorporate superheroics. Yeah, it's... It's really well. It's really well thought out. I also like the the kind of like snide little remark of like they have a lot of free time after after the narrator finishes explaining like what the business class does. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to Eccentric Family season two, episode two. I like how this show keeps introducing people who you think are going to be Tengu, and then the main character is like, are you a Tengu? And then they go, no, I'm not a Tengu. <laughs> I just know, no, I just know I'm sweet very, illusion very... magic. Yeah. I, this is, this is a very unique human. I, I, I'm surprised at the end on how the, Oh, I'm going to get even with you backfire. Oh yeah. We're like the, yeah. Where he transforms <laughs> into an Oni comes after him. And then like, the owner pulls a gun on him, and the Tanuki's just like, humans may be the scariest oh. creature there is. Yeah. We did get to see some Kaiski in this episode. She yeah, she was moment. great. Like, where she briefly comes out of hiding of the backpack to <clears throat> save his ass. Yeah. Hiding out of the backpack, wearing a backpack. That's I yeah. Yeah, I still really like her. Um, it's it's kind of unusual to have a show where like I honestly can't decide which girl I want the main character and to end up with the most because like they're because both are very good. And Benton's not. You know, this is we're third three episodes, two episodes, two episodes in without Benton, and it's. Yeah, the show hasn't fallen flat on its face, which it's also kind of funny how like 
in a season where Ben 10 has so far been completely absent, people uh, cannot stop talking about Ben 10. Which, like, to be fair, neither can we, so I guess it's accurate. Yes. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah, I, like... The whole, like, narrative conceit that this show has of, like, Ben 10 kind of, like, leaving a... Leaving a clearly... Like, a, a clearly visible like emotional hole in people's lives whenever she's not there uh is so much more convincing when as the audience you feel you feel uh her non-presence as well yeah mm-hmm. right because like because like you're seeing all this stuff going on it's like just imagine like how this would be shaking up if benton were there yeah I mean, because, like, whenever she's there, like, everything gets rearranged. Yeah. Yeah, she's very much the low-key of the series. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want an episode tossed on its ear, throw Benton in. But yeah, um, let's see what else to say about this episode. Um, oh yeah, like, the little... The, it, I feel like the another like little bit of dialogue I really liked is when uh, I, ju- I should just look up his his actual name because it's silly just calling him the main character constantly. Uh, Yasuburo. 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 When Yasuburo talks about like how the the time the time has come when like the Tanuki get tricked by the humans, like that's a really cool bit of world building, um, and 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 very much falls in line with one of the overarching themes of the first season of eccentric family where like tanuki and tengu like still exist and there's sort of this known quantity but like they their role isn't the same as it used to be um in this modern world like their their purpose has slowly shifted yeah, they, they've evolved to match their environment. Like, Tengu aren't the masters of the world anymore, and, like, and the Tanuki aren't the, uh, aren't, aren't, aren't the incomparable tricksters anymore. Like, humans are slowly becoming, like, are, are, are slowly, like, taking over the, the roles that both the Tengu and the Tanuki have. They kind of encompass both aspects of those extremes. Um... Which is very much like uh, exemplified by again the the human character in this episode, who has like sort of powerful magic like Tengu do, and also a capacity for, and also a, a, a huge capacity for tricking people like the Tanuki do. Like he embodies <laughs> both of those roles uh, in in like one package. Uh, so seeing the sort these supernatural forces that like like trying to come to grips with what their role is now when it kind of seems like more than ever they aren't particularly necessary is a really interesting part of eccentric family as a whole i think is one it's one of the things that really made me like the series okay ready to score this five uh yeah absolutely 
See, I, I'm, I, I ask that question so people won't say, well, you're just suggesting everybody vote five. No, I, I ask for scores occasionally. And they're the same thing that I'm thinking, because I already wrote it down before we even started. All right. Uh, moving on to Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul, episode two, uh, where we learned that, <clears throat> yeah, she, Nina is, in fact, a dragon, and she comes from a family of dragons. And, like, she, and... who all live in, like, the countryside or something. But she's the, she's the dragon. She's city dragon. They're country dragons. <laughs> well, she came to the city to support the village. Yeah. And her, her secret is uh, if she gets too emotionally involved with a cute male, she uh, dragons yeah, out. Yeah, if she gets too horny, she transforms into a dragon. Um... Thank you. I was going that way. But <laughs> I mean, look, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Hormonal rushes equal dragon, okay? So okay. I'm still not totally sold on Nina just because, like, I was talking about this with Fabulous Blue on Twitter, but she's just, like, a little too much of an anime character so far. Um, yeah. But the one scene I did really like with her was where she's talking about, where she's, where it's, like, flashing back to one of her first days in like the construction quarry and he's like oh yeah humans seem to really appreciate my talents and she's like picking up these giant stacks of bricks just on her own <laughs> everyone's like everyone's just going like what the hell is happening <laughs> and she just reaches over and picks up a whole cord of wood and walks off with it like yeah. it's nothing yeah uh also rita is still fantastic oh yes yeah like yeah, I love I love the bit when uh, when uh, the rag demon Azazel oh, is like put is like trying to like giving Nina the hard sell, trying to get yeah. her. Well, and like Nina's like basically trying to control, trying to control herself from just like from turning into a, turning into a dragon because he's just so hot and and then and like and and so like. Uh, so that uh, like Rita, Rita rocket punches him. Yes, Rita shuts Rita shuts him yes. down, <laughs> and then says the best line that anyone in anime has ever said. <laughs> it's like I thought you were a rag demon, not a nag demon, and I nearly just died right there. <laughs> yeah, in the well, in the original Japanese, it like. Right in the original Japanese, it's kind of weird. I mean, it works. I'm not sure they translated it full accurately, but it flows really well because in the like, original, I don't like I don't care because like whoever came up, whoever the lo- whoever the translator was that came up with that pun is a genius. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, right. But like the original Japanese, uh, like they translate rag demon. Or they translate the original is Hotai Akuma for Rag Demon, and then Hentai Akuma for Nag Demon. Which <laughs> okay, I, which, that that work that works out pretty too pretty well too too because it's like I I thought you were a Rag Demon, not like a pervert demon. <laughs> like you still get the pun. It's just yeah. the second part is a like a different yeah. pejorative. Right. It may they yeah. Yeah, they prioritize like making the making the phrase flow, 
Yeah, and which was the, the correct choice, is making yes, the pun work. Yes, yes it was. Uh, but God, yeah, that just... Like, I'm tempted to say that that line made me wa- made it worth watching this season of Rage of Bahamut just on its own. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Rita a whole lot, and I'm glad she's back. <laughs> uh, I also... I also continue to be really interested in the sort of like actual plot line of the show with the subjugation of the demons and uh, what's his name? The knight from the first season. Uh, the Kaiser. Kaiser. Right. And uh, uh, no, I'm still wondering where I like, I like the conflict that Kaiser has where he's like, okay, like, he has a point, but also I don't want him to just keep murdering people. Like, even if these guys are total douchebags, like, I feel like I shouldn't be okay with him just murdering them. Um, and, like, sort of him dealing with, like, well, I mean, dealing with the internal conflict of these people are doing horrible things to these demons and probably deserve to die, but also he's he's technically the police so he can't just let him kill them and like as it stands his current like personal moral code is against it as well well he's also he's also uh being ordered to do these things by his legitimate king yeah yeah um but also like he's he's definitely going a lot softer on the rag demon than he's supposed to be (laughs) Right. Because he knows there are there's like <clears throat> legitimate like problems with how the humans are treating demons. Um so I, I really like the conflict he's going through right now. Yep. Um And yeah, I, I, I do wonder where Favreau is, like he he's clearly gonna show up eventually. I'm just very interested to see interested to see how he's gonna show up yep I feel like he's gonna get paired with Nina I could be wrong but that's my gut instinct <laughs> well since Nina's with Bacchus yeah that would make some sense right cause uh Favreau cause fa- first place Favreau yeah. will show up as cause Favreau is still a mercenary I think yep well, you, you you got a couple of episodes to watch, but yeah, it'll make some more sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'd say Rage of Muhammad, like, still, like, pretty solid. Um, still not crazy about Nina, but again, like, everything else is still, like, pretty good. So I, four. I have a hard time, like, really being down on it. So, yeah, four. I like Nina. I'm going to give this episode five. All right. Um, let's move on to. Uh, I'm just gonna say Grimoire of Zero. And you would be correct to do so because that is how that's supposed to be translated. All right. Yeah. So Grimoire of Zero, episode two. Um, I didn't actually end up getting through all of episode two. Um, I watched about half of it and just kind of like closed it because. Um, it was it was the last thing I was catching up on, uh, and I think I did like 
unlike pretty much every other time where I have closed an episode early, um, I didn't do it because it was bad or like I just couldn't take it anymore. I did it because like I just didn't want to watch more of it. Like uh, in in another season where I didn't have so where I didn't have a bunch of things other than watch anime that I wanted to do, then I might have like kept going because it's it's a pretty decent anime to like play an MMO while you're watching with like it's an it's an anime I'd totally watch if I was doing other stuff on the computer um, because it doesn't re- because it doesn't like re- have like it doesn't really re- require a lot of concentration and <clears throat> it's got decent character designs it's got a decent plot line and the magic kind of neat uh, it's got stuff going for it, but in the end, I just found the dialogue and the just writing as a whole and the animation to be, like, just pretty mediocre. Um, particularly when they get... Well, particularly in the middle of episode two, which is where I closed it, where they get to the village uh, full of the, like... They ba- okay, so they basically get this village, um, and it's an excuse to have the very well-worn cliche scene where, uh, like, of any anime where, like, a certain group of people uh, are considered outcasts, um, to have, like, this one token village where, like, the people all react negatively to their presence and say racist things about them. Or I guess not racist things. I guess classist things in this case. <clears throat> Magicist? I don't know. Um, and then, like, the one person who's a good person. I just very much followed that formula to a T. And I was like, okay, I have a feel. I pretty much get the gist of where this show is going. And, like, it's fine, but I just didn't feel the need to keep watching it. Because I had other stuff to do. Well, I thought, on the whole, it was a solid episode. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, like, it was it was fine, but these days I I measure anime by, by, like, would I rather watch this or play some more Persona 5? In the case of Grimoire of Zero, I was like... I can't imagine a scenario where I'd rather be watching this than playing Persona 5. So I just stopped it. Um, because, like, we already... Because, like, I already, I've already got at least five shows that I enjoy watching and have met that test of, yeah, sure, I'll take time out to watch this because I like it. Hmm. So I, I will give it a three. Like, I, it's a fine show, but, like, a little too average for me personally. Uh, well, I, de- I define average a little bit differently. I think it's a bit better than average. <laughs> it's not great, but it's not. It, it's not great, but I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I did like the scene in episode one where, like... And, and this scene isn't supposed to be funny, but I found it funny where... At the, near the start of episode one where uh, the Beast Fallen, like, catches the arrow... And then, like, his cloak opens up to reveal, he's a hot furry. (laughs) It's just, 
I just found found that to be kind of funny to me because like it. I'm not sure if you have seen the "Oh no, he's hot" meme on Twitter, but that's the kind of reveal that reminded me of. Um, I don't know why it did. It just did. Uh, all right. Yeah. I, I I think the char- yeah the character designs in this show are all really good. I do. I do like the character designs. I. I like how I like how the Beast Fallen just has a massive neck. Like he, he looks like this isn't this is dissing on the people. Like I legitimately I legitimately think it's great how his neck is just huge, and like everything about him is just the biggest. <laughs> because it sets because it sets up like a really nice contrast between him and basically <laughs> everyone else in the world. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I th- oh I was about to say I think that does it. Well, no, we have some things to take care of first. Well, okay, first I want to revisit. Uh, I want to revisit uh Fathomless Blues question in in uh in uh for epi- kimono friends right for kimono about kimono friends because uh I. I finally finished watching uh, all twelve episodes of it, and it was pretty good. I <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by this show, as like even though the like even though it's it's like this it's like this cutesy moe kind of show, uh, but it has like this undercurrent of existential despair <laughs> because <clears throat> okay. so he was so Fathomless Blue was right then <laughs> yes because uh, because it becomes clear over the course of the show that like the like the park that they're the park that they're all like living in and playing around in is a fallen world and and so it ends up the show ends up being a kind of post apocalyptic science fiction. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> right. Because right, cuz what's happened is that like all the animal girls actually used to be regular animals in a zoo that got transformed into animal girls through the through exposure to this substance substance called sandstar. That got throw that got thrown up by a volcano, and and like and so because of this because of this like sandstar eruption, all the humans had to abandon the park, and so all the infrastructure in the park is is crumbling and falling apart, and like there's like all these attractions that haven't been maintained, and so like. Like a bus that's in a bus that's in multiple pieces that they have to put together, and like bridges, uh, you know, like you know bridges that are out. And so you're saying this the setting for this story is Magic Chernobyl. <sighs> sort of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, and. And, like, the characters, I mean, like, a lot of the, 
like most of the like the most of the animal girls that you know the main two characters meet on their way are are kind of arch- are archetypal, but they're pretty well drawn and distinctive. Uh, and you know the relationship between the main two characters is uh, really fun to watch. And the main girl, uh, like uh, like the main girl Kaban. The, who's this? Uh, who's who's like the only human in the entire show? Uh, is actually the best girl. So to answer to answer the uh, like Fabulous Blue's question about who's best girl, Kaban is best girl because she is <laughs> because she is legitimately smart. Like like nearly every episode, she's like she comes up with, you know, she comes up with like plans and tactics to solve all the to solve the problems of course you know she doesn't actually she can't actually solve all the problems by herself on their own she just comes up with a plan and all the other animal girls execute the plan and make it work oh god you're gonna be making me watch kimono girls aren't you it's yeah it's yeah it's surprising but this is actually a pretty good show Although I gotta right, say, here the, we go. The animation, the animation is crap. Yeah, I've I've seen what the animation looks like from clips I've watched. Yeah, evidently, like the entire animation staff consisted of like ten people. Yeah, that that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, well, I so, guess I'll be watching this next, and the plague will continue to spread. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's sort of, it's become like the little show that could. I'm kind of, I'm kind of impressed. I give it a I give the show overall a four. Alrighty then. Uh, I guess we have. All right, so we're not gonna answer all these questions from Mark the One. We're I gonna. Can, I I I can read the questions. I think I'm probably. We're gonna pick. I'm probably be- I'm probably I think I'm better at uh, at deciphering mark the mark mark the one ease here. All right, so, all right. So, I'll, all right, yeah. So. P- pick the ones you think are the best ones. <laughs> okay. Or, or the the ones that will lead to the most interesting discussions. Yeah, I think the the first three the first three or four questions are I think are doable. Uh, the rest of them are. Yeah, can't we can't really answer them, and the, our answers wouldn't really be that interesting. So, <clears throat> yes, challenge accepted. Let's begin. All right, let's start with reborn manga slash shows. There's been a great influx of reborn to new world shows slash manga recently. I tend to enjoy the the slimier but diverse situations the many characters find themselves, but none are really deep or amazing. Just like having fast food Wendy's main characters or characters that are strong or competent to begin with. McDonald's, the main, is a loser or or frack-up or a jerk that gets a redemption arc or power trip. And Burger King tends to be a mix of the first two, but with a component that's good enough. All not the best, but you tend to find a jam or two after going through them. It's best not to see them all the time because too much fast food is unhealthy. Man, you're doing a fast food metaphor and you like and uh, you neglected to make a Carl Jr. reference. Dropping the ball here, Mark. <laughs> Question A. Do you generally watch these types of manga shows and which do you prefer? Uh, 
Not really, like well, to be perfectly honest. Like I'll I'll check them, I'll check them out if, like they have they happen to get like really good word of mouth. But the ones I've watched, like I well, like, I, I remember uh, the most recent one that got some acclaim was um, oh god, it was the one set in the kind of like low fantasy world where like the cleric died yeah grim that was on. that was grimgar yeah i remember that getting some some decent word of mouth um i just couldn't stand like a couple of the characters in that so i just dropped it uh like the like the like the one male character who was like he was supposed to be a douchebag like clearly but also he was so much of a douchebag that i just couldn't take it he got better Still a douchebag, but he had some team spirit. Um, yeah. Well, actually, you did see one very recently, and it was called Yojo Senki. That was actually... Uh, that's oh, actually, right, yeah, I guess that does technically count. That's that's actually an example of... Yeah, the reborn in other world, uh, like, the Japanese word for that is isekai. Even with that one, I have a lot of mixed feelings, as well, I made clear as the series went on. Right, because, right, because the problem, yeah, the, the problem with a lot of these shows is that they tend to devolve into power fantasies. Yeah. And, now, Yojo Senki was a little bit better than usual on that front, because you're not really supposed to identify with the main character, because... And God if, help you if you do. <laughs> yeah, if, if you actually identify with Tanya then there is something Seek wrong Seek therapy. <laughs> right. Because it's clear, because, you know, because uh, a lot of these uh, Isekai-type uh, series, most of which are, most of which are based on, most of which are light novels that get adapted into manga and sometimes anime. Uh, <clears throat> but most of these, like... Well, the settings tend to be pretty generic, uh, you know, copy-pasted from RPG mechanics. Yeah, and yeah. you could probably replace most of their titles with some variation on I was reborn in a fantasy land filled with hot girls who all want to bang me. <laughs> right. Uh, there have been... Yeah. But, yeah, and, and it's usually, like, you know, the main character, like, you know, basically... You know, inherits these superpowers with no real effort and uses them. Wow, to my years of doing nothing but playing video games translates into me being a badass suddenly. <laughs> right there have there have been some interesting variations on that. So like, so it's like, a good thing I never had to pick up on any other life skills. <laughs> right. So like, okay. So there's actually there's actually one series which is uh, I guess. It was a web novel which became a manga, and uh, and it's uh, it involves the main character gets reincarnated as a spider, and so and so and so like he has to you know basically fight through this dungeon and fight all these monsters in this dungeon as a spider. Okay, that's a kind of cool premise. I'll admit. Um. Right. So like. So like uh, you know, so the main character like you know, you know as it as as he levels up, you know he gets like uh, stronger poison powers and web shooting powers, but you know it, so his 
you know, still a spider all the way through, but just has, like, better spider powers. And clearly, you know, have to suffer and struggle in order to get as far as he does. And and so that that is the ingredient. That is the ingredient that makes an Isekai show work, which is that, you know, the main character needs to be challenged. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of, like, adversity that isn't just like oh no how will i defeat the ultimate evil <laughs> like there needs to be some sort of character growth well yeah of course in the case of yojo senki the main character is the ultimate evil <laughs> yeah yeah she is the obstacle <laughs> uh, right yeah and like you know there's ones where you know there was a one where the main character gets uh, reincarnated reincarnated as a slime but then, after a while, it just turns into, you know, just turns into more of a power fantasy because, like, as a, as a slime, like he gets like super magical powers, and leads like all leads leads armies into battle as a slime, except a super slime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, well played, Larry. Oh, well dang played, it, Larry. <laughs> Larry is secretly the Rita of this podcast. <laughs> uh, he also asked us to come up with an idea for one of these rebirth shows that we think would be cool. Uh, and I am personally a fan of the idea of like, kind of like ex- exploring parts, like using rebirth in a new place as a as an impetus to explore a different facet of genre fiction so like i i think it would be kind of neat to see something like uh see like a show where like someone is reborn in a fantasy setting but like their previous experience in the modern world leads them to like doing something that's not just like facing down the ultimate evil it's like, oh yeah, I can like invent things for like I was I was a mechanic in the modern world. So here I'm going to like f- find ways to use these different methods of like construction and resources to build better like weapons and equipment and transportation for the people who are actually going to kill the big bad <laughs> okay something like that has been done and i have a feeling there would be at yeah. least something because so like there's like, no way that i'm the first one to think of that right so okay so there's one there's one uh you know like you know white novel turned manga uh called like gunota ga maho sakai blah 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 whole bunch of stuff uh but gunota is like the first word uh and so the main character is like this guy who's like a, a gun nut. So like he's like researched everything there is to know about guns. And he gets reincarnated as a child in a you know, in a fantasy world and his magical powers by themselves are very weak. So like as a mage, he's pretty mediocre. Uh but but his, who needs magic when you have right. bullets? <laughs> so so right. So what he does is he uses like his very limited magical powers to to construct guns. 
And, and what so, if you just shot Voldemort? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So far, yeah, the story hasn't, yeah, the story hasn't gotten that far. But it's that's the concept: is that yes, he, you know, yeah, he's going to conquer the world with guns. I also think kind of like the opposite would be really neat. Where it, a lot of these shows, I feel, tend to focus on like someone from an advanced civilization being reborn in a less advanced one. But, like, what if, like, you were reborn in, like, way far into the future, and, like, everyone viewed you as, like, this cute curiosity? It's like, oh, look at the adorable person who doesn't know what a flea orp is. <laughs> and, like, I, I think there's interesting things you could approach with that, like... Um, yeah, you could like like you could approach like you could inv- you could investigate the and this is something that like actually ties into real world things that are going on. Um, for example, the uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right term for this, um, but the I guess iconization of, for example, uh, Native Amer Native Americans, um, how. For a lot of people, like, we view natives as, like, oh, yeah, those guys that, like, wore headdresses and, like, chanted around a bonfire and, like, lived in teepees. <laughs> and, like, that's not what Native Americans are, really, anymore. Like, they're modern people like us, just with, like, a different culture. Um, and so I think you could... So I think having a having sort of a, a scenario where a person from the past is brought into like the far future, I think would be a good way of exploring how a uh, tokenization. That's what I'm looking for. How that tokenization like can be like a really crappy thing to actually live through and like be subjected to as well as like having like giving someone a different perspective on the the sorts of implications that advanced technology can have. Um, I don't know. That's just something that I feel yeah. like a very smart writer could do some really cool things with. Yeah, yeah. Let's so it's it's probably not going to happen because like there 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 aren't a whole lot of very smart writers working in it. Working in anime right now. Well, there've also been there've also been light novels where, it, where the modern knowledge, uh, where the modern knowledge that they use is uh, economics. So like. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, so like there. Okay, so there was this one which is actually a shojo type, a shojo series uh, called uh, Koshaku Reijo no Tashinami, uh, where like okay, the main character, the main character gets like, transported into this, into, like, the fantasy world of this Otome game that she was playing, <laughs> right? Where, where, except that, where she gets, okay, where the character that she becomes is the rival who, uh, who, at the moment of her defeat, so, like, so, like... That's a really good idea, actually. <laughs> right, so, as, so, like, she starts out, she starts out, like, she has just been defeated, you know, She's just been defeated, uh, you know, and so, like, you know, and so her rival has, like, won the hand of the prince. And, 
you know, so she has to go back to her, she has to go back to her, you know, home country or her, you know, you know, her home territory and figure out what to do with her life. Except that, you know, she has the mind of like a modern, you know, a modern adult Japanese woman who, uh, you know, who is, you know, playing, who's like familiar with this world and is, you know, but because it's the world of like this, uh, Otome game that she'd been playing, uh, but, so what she does is, uh, you know, she uses her knowledge of, like, modern economics to institute economic reforms in her, uh, in her home province. <laughs> and, like, you know, actually, like, make, you know, like, like, make life better for the people. Not through fighting, but through economic reform. Ooh, <laughs> it's actually an interesting series so far. I will give it that. I think we've, uh, so, okay, uh, question... I think uh, we pretty thoroughly answered that yeah, one. Yeah, part C, okay, uh, question two. What have you guys been watching lately, like Logan or the Marvel shows in games like Dark Souls? Yo, Logan is a real good movie. <laughs> yeah, I imagine I got dragged uh, to Logan and yeah. I liked it too. I saw the Ghost in the Shell movie. It was okay. Uh... I've I've said this a lot, but I've been playing a lot of Persona Five. Uh, yeah, the shows I've been watching. Uh, I just uh, let's see. I've been I've been watching The Expanse, which is great. It's a it's a brilliant show. Really great. Yeah, I've heard very good things about that one. Also watching I Zombie, which is a which is also a great show. Uh, was, which was uh, was created by the uh, the same guy who wrote uh, Veronica Mars. Oh dang! Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see what else have I watched. Uh, we are we already talked about your name on the previous podcast. Um, I haven't really been watching much else. I've pretty much been watching anime, playing video games, occasionally watching some documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much it. I, I have, I have. Yeah, you've been staying. You're keeping your sanity by staying. I have, away I have from yet to check television. out the, um, the new season of MST3K. I've heard it's been pretty good though. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. What? I think, good? Yeah. One thing that keeps me from watching like more TV than I already do is I do not have Netflix. So. <laughs> Because there are some sh- like there are some Netflix shows that yeah they sound no, like they're really good but uh, yeah I I don't have a Netflix subscription and I'm not likely to get one so won't be watching them. Yeah, it's kind of like me in a Twitter account. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So yeah. Question. Question. Moving right along. Sometimes shows with Drum good roll. source material or fairly good source are complacently besmirched by bad adaptations like how Gate. Uh, not amazing, but good enough to watch. <clears throat> Every once in a while is complacently disperse. Another case, Elfin Lead, the manga, not great, but not nearly as bad as the anime. Uh, oh, definitely gonna go with Arpeggio Blue Steel in this case. Like, that's the one that immediately comes to mind. Is like, yeah. The manga's not, like, a brilliant work of art, but it was pretty fun. Like, for, like, even even without fan service it was, but, like, I felt like the anime adaptation doubled down on all the things I didn't really care for about Arpeggio. 
and left out a lot of the stuff I thought was good. So. Yeah. Now, an interest, an interesting case, an interesting Sorry. case uh, that, uh, an interesting case of an adaptation that, uh, that uh, was sort of, I don't know, made like different. <laughs> That was kind of very different from the original source uh, is Fuka, uh, which just finished uh, just finished uh, last month. Uh, is that just because of the ending, or was there more significant changes throughout? Well, okay, well, yeah, the the, the, the yeah the ultimate change is the is how it was structured, because in the original manga, in the original manga, like the childhood friend who like who's an idol who becomes who becomes an idol singer is really not much competition for the main character. Yeah. For the main, you know, so like, you know, so like, okay. So like for a while it, it sort of, for a while there's like a love triangle thing going on between the main character and Fuka and this, and this, uh, this idol singer, Koyuki, except Koyuki is not much, is not much competition. And so she, pretty much falls off she falls off very quickly and so then right so then the main character and fuka become a couple fairly in fairly short order and like so after they become a couple fuka dies and get gets run over by a truck and so like there's a long stretch where the main character has to you know basically has to recover from his girlfriend's death and in the course of that, you know, he gets the band back together and, you know, and meets another girl, also named Fuka, with a very different personality. And, you know, and they start, and so, and so, and they spend a whole lot longer actually building up the relationship between the main character and this new Fuka. Right. The problem is, is that that kind of story there is no way in hell you could make a 12-episode anime out of that. Like, it would just, it would just completely fail structurally. It, it would just, there was no way it would work. So they restructured it so that, okay, Fuka doesn't die. For The first Fuka never gets run over by the truck because the truck misses her. But then... It also changed. It also restructured. It also restructured the like previous stuff so that, like, so that for one thing, Koyuki becomes like a more formidable character, and and so like, so there's a more balanced love triangle dynamic going on, and also the point at which the main character and Fuka get together is not till the very end of the show. So they restructured it to make it work in a 12 episode format. And it kind of worked, but you know, it it sort of made it work as kind of an okay show, but it removed a lot of what was distinctive about the original. Even though a lot of the elements of the original that were never adapted were problematic in many ways. You know, because, like, there's a whole lot of music industry nonsense that the characters go through 
that is really kind of dumb. Uh, so, yeah. So, Fuka as an adaptation is kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> uh, Alright. So, uh, so, moving on. Well, so there's... Okay, so part A. Uh, what manga or source material that may not be great but fun enough you know of had this happen? Okay, we talked a little bit about. That. Yeah. Uh, good rec- good recommendations. Oh, I actually do have one. Believe it or not, I actually have a manga recommendation. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the name of the manga is. Let me make sure because it's kind of a weird title. Uh, Doro Hedoro. Uh. Oh yeah. Uh, Doro Hedro. I think it's called. Okay, Dorohedro. Dorohedro, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Doro, you'll be able to spell it properly if I say it as Dorohedoro. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really neat. It's a it's a very um it's kind of like uh it's it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic setting um with like imagine sort of Mad Max meets uh, like kind of kind of berserk-ish in terms of like how grimy and gritty it is um, and like it, it, it's got an art style that's tough for me to describe but it's it's very unique and I really like the setting of it with like the sorcerers living in this completely separate world and going down to the human like normal human world only when they want to like use humans as guinea pigs for their sorcery uh and like i've only read a couple like i think about three or four chapters so far but i'm really digging it yeah i've read a few chapters it's trippy yeah oh yeah oh yeah uh okay uh yeah i think although i yeah let's see yeah i think uh all right so recommendation okay what show surprised you the most uh p.s did you see scum's wish oh the show of the season that surprised me the most probably alice honestly like i was expecting absolutely nothing from that show and then it ended up being one of my favorites uh well okay and uh, to answer, yes, I did see Scum's Wish, and it was pretty good. I. I didn't yeah, finish it, so I can't comment. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like it's like teen romance, teen romance, but like it takes sex seriously, and it doesn't fall into a lot of the like usual teen romance. Like the will the will they won't they struggle yeah it's like <laughs> yeah a lot of these relationships are like yeah they do they will but it doesn't really make them feel any better oh <laughs> oh no and well yeah because because uh, a whole big part of it is that you know it's about these two uh this boy and this girl who are like in love with their teachers and like so like it's like, okay, so this boy is in love with a female teacher, and the girl's in love with a male teacher, 
and like so like these are oh. people that like oh dear they could never get it on with yeah or, although mm-hmm. although they later probably in, sh- they and they shouldn't <laughs> yeah although later in the show yeah the boy does actually get it on with the female teacher oh no uh, yeah and it yeah it, it's not good it or it doesn't go well for him <laughs> because like the female teacher is really an awful person um, you know and and it's uh, anyway so it's uh but you know for a for a large part of the show like you know so like this boy and girl like can't have like the people that they really want so they sort of start dating each other and you know like making out with each other although not going all the way uh but yeah except like the relationship they have is problematic because you know they're like you know they're making out with each other but don't really love each other Uh, that's a much more mature and nuanced approach to a sort of romance story than i typically see from anime yeah and right and it's like yeah well it's kind of based on the misery loves company good show i gave it a four overall uh, uh, I, I'm just gonna skip ahead here and say like I, I, I think we should answer uh, part F. Uh, what show do you guys disagree about how good it is? I think the one that we disagreed with most about last season was uh, Gundam. I think. Yeah. Like Aaron and I were really down on it, and you like still enjoyed it pretty well. Yeah, I thought it was mostly. I mean, I I see like. Yeah, I, I mean, I see, like, the flaws that you pointed out, but they just yeah didn't loom quite as large in, like, my assessment. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you largely, like, understood and in some cases agreed with our criticisms. Uh, with our criticisms. Oh my god, I can't talk anymore. With our criticisms. Uh, but, yeah, you just didn't think they were nearly as deal-breaking as we did. Yeah, I thought I thought overall the show's strength outweighed its weaknesses, which which does which does tend to be where our disagreements stem from in the first place. Not necessarily like where we go. Oh, I don't think that's a thing. It's like I don't care as much about that being a thing. Yeah, <laughs> that that tends to be where we uh, split the most. Uh, I think I think the exception being with oh gosh, I just had it in my mind and now it left my mind. Um, oh, it was Akka, I think, where I just did not feel like the characters had really much personality at all, and you very much disagreed with that. Yes. I think that might have been our biggest disagreement. Yeah, honestly. I I watched Akka all the way through, and I liked it. I gave it a four. I gave it a four overall. Yeah, whereas I dropped it, like, by the third episode. <laughs> uh, okay, uh... Let's see. All right. Uh, part E. Uh, part E was actually sort of interesting. Shows that made weak source material better. Actually, Kimono Friends, because uh, the original source was like this crappy, this crappy cell phone game that got canceled even before the anime came out. Wow. I'm certain we've answered this question before because I remember saying using both Rage of Bahamut. And, uh, God, what was that one show where, like, the 
guy's crush turned into a zombie. Sankarea. Sankarea. Yeah, because I remember us like using Sankarea, like particularly as an example where like the 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 studio that adapted that adapted it and like the director involved like made that significantly better than it had any right to be. Yeah, fun fact about that: the director of Sankarea uh, later went on to direct Showa Genroku Raku Shinju. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's uh, no, that's, that's the problem. That's the thing about Sankarea is that Sankarea. Yeah, I know. That was yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. Can Actually, I pull my tongue out of my cheek? I guess this isn't another, very good. Another yeah, that example. Was, okay. That was facetious. Sort of a semi-example would be uh, uh, Made Dragon, in which made good source material that was already good and made it great. Because like I read the original manga for Made Dragon and enjoyed it yep. a lot, but Kyoto Animation just like made it even better. Because one of the weaknesses of the original manga was the art. And, like, Kyoto Animation just brought it. Yeah, for all my complaints about Kyoto Animation, I have... I don't think I've ever once said, oh, these di- these guys don't do art good. Because, like, that is the one thing they always do very well. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay, uh... Yeah, uh, so how are we doing? Question four. Make an anime concept about a social internet troll. Let margins start and bounce ideas around it will be fun. Okay. I, I think he means let Megan start? I'm not, even, I'm not sure. Mar- yeah, that's, that's weird. Uh, unfortunately, Megan is not here. Uh, yeah. Evidently, she uh, is recovering from dental surgery. Um, yep, root canal. Fun. Yeah. Uh, a real grand old time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, right, so the right thing about anime about a social internet troll has already been done, and it's called Gotcha Man Crowds. Yeah, actually, you're right, it totally has. <laughs> uh, oh, and I forgot, there was a, another example of the, uh, an example of the isekai genre, and of a, of a new twist on it, uh, was uh, Konosuba. In which it played like all the tropes of the isekai genre for laughs, you know, and you know, so it had all these tropes, and it was like just like actually made it, you know, turned it into a comedy. Yeah. You know, oh, I vaguely remember you talking about that show. Yes, uh, and it was it was a great show. Yeah, the second season came out uh, last winter. So, and uh, yeah, I as far as uh, okay, uh, question five: uh, What YouTube stuff you watch in general, or sometimes if you don't do that as much, like Game Theory or Team Four Star or Happiness I'm, I'm, Finite? I'm pretty sure I've answered this this particular question like at least three times. Yeah, he also, let's see, yeah, he also posted links to uh, Happiness and Cyanide and Sword Art Online Abridged, uh, which... I guess I can at least say, like, uh, I guess I'll plug the uh, channel I'm actually a Patreon of now, 
Um, one of my favorite uh, dudes from Giant Bomb, uh, Drew Scanlon, recently left Giant Bomb to do his own thing. And uh, that thing is a, uh, sh- a YouTube show called Cloth Map where he basically travels around the world and gets to know various locations and visits some sites and does interviews and stuff. Um, and uh, he hasn't uh, gone on a, a trip yet because the Patreon has only been up for like a little over a month, so he's still like getting all his equipment together and in the planning stage- stages, but he recently released a video where he's talking about... Uh, where he revealed his first choice of uh, trip, which is to the Ukraine. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Drew is a very smart guy. Uh, and while he was at Giant Bomb, he actually like went to North Korea um, and took a bunch of photos about North Korea and did like a really interesting travelogue when he got back about his experience there. Uh, it's like honestly one of my favorite pieces of journalism that Giant Bomb ever did Um, and like I just I just have a lot of love for Drew Scanlon and the things he does Um, so yeah I'm actually I'm actually uh, I'm actually monetarily backing uh, that particular channel so um, definitely subscribe to Cloth Map because I think it'll be pretty cool um, but that's really the only thing I want to plug this time because uh, I've the other stuff I'm watching is stuff I've plugged in the past. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, as far as uh, let's see YouTube uh, YouTube channels I watch a lot of are uh, let's see I watch uh, Digibro. He's a he's a he talks about anime mostly. And pretty interesting stuff. Even if I don't always, even if I don't agree with them all the time. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> a mother's basement also. Uh, a lot of what he does is uh, analysis of uh, anime opening and ending themes. Like in terms of how they're animated. Yeah. Uh, so like, yes, yeah, so he's got to, so like, he, yes, he has like this uh, what's in an OP series, which yeah, so like. So he like goes like, so he goes and like you know, actually analyzes like all the you know all the animation in these opening and ending themes. Really interesting stuff. That just reminds me of this one supercut uh, YouTube video I saw where it's like a bunch of different clips of anime openings where the characters like uh, look up and where the panra where the camera pans up into the sky to look at birds. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, that sure does. That sure does happen a lot, doesn't it? A lot of, a lot of lots of birds. See, see, see for yeah, you. Another one. Another. Uh, uh, well, I don't know about that, Larry. Another, I, I follow some pretty boring YouTube channels. Another, another, another YouTuber I like is Tom uh, well. the Shadows. Who? Uh, oh, I watch him too. Yeah, he reviews. Uh, he reviews pop music. Mm-hmm. I don't always agree with his assessment of some stuff. Uh, mostly, like when he's positive on something, where I'm like, I just don't see the appeal, dude. <laughs> but he's pretty entertaining. Yeah. yeah, I I mostly like him for his one-hit wonder stuff. 
Oh, yes. One-Hit Wonderland, that's such a great series. Especially, like, the one he did on Jars of Clay, because, like, as a person who grew up in a Christian family and went to a Christian school for, like, most... for, like, until the end of high school, like, I was subjected to a lot of Christian music, and Jars of Clay was one of the few where I'm like, actually, these guys are pretty good. (laughs) And it's kind of, like, the exact same conclusion he comes to in his own video. Right. So it's like, yes, validation! (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, sh- I should uh, actually I do have one channel that I think like I'm recommending this because I think it's something Larry would like to watch too uh, which is why I'm also going to link the channel in the YouTube in the Skype chat uh, it's this channel called Clickspring where this guy who owns a machining shop in his house uh, makes an entire clock by hand and it's really fascinating. Cool. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, you you would probably find what I watch rather uh, mundane and boring. <laughs> a, it's not anime related. <laughs> B, it's my other hobby related. Uh, it's uh, the uh, Commemorative Air Force, Experimental Aircraft Association, and Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. All three of their YouTube channels. Because you can't give or get enough of large round engine aircraft drawing. Almost none the of the channels I've subscribed to are about anime. Never. Like most of the anime, most of my anime exposure is from watching the shows and then doing this podcast. Otherwise, I tend to try to avoid it. Like I, 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 spe- I spend my time with everything else oh, once I'm out of this podcast. You too. <laughs> uh. Sounds good to me. Right. Okay. Speaking so, of, we've already the rest, most put this of the baby rest of to bed. Questions I will skip, except for his uh, "What manga are you keeping up with?" question. I I do think like, I do think we should keep question six in mind for next week because I I do think that's an interesting question. Um, it's just something both that I'll need to think about, and also this podcast is kind of running long anyway. So yeah. So yeah. So keep question six in mind. Yeah. Right. We'll cover that next time. As far as uh, what manga I'm keeping up with, it is uh, yeah, I'm I'm you know I subscribe to uh, the you know, uh, the English language edition of Shonen Jump, their website, and I follow most of those manga. And like like the best one aside from One Piece is uh, the Promised Neverland, which is just it's just been bringing it week after week. Hmm. all right uh so before this goes on for way too long uh let's wrap it up here ben dustin three two one kiribosh ta-ta y'all